So here we are back again with part two of Don Lanning chatting away. So Todd and I uh, were sat enthralled in his studio. It was fantastic. And we just sat there and we just... It was amazing. The time just flew by. We just had a fantastic conversation and we just happened to be recording it. It's it's just lovely. So um, here we are with part two. I won't waste any more time. Get stuck straight in. We had a good response from a lot of people from the first one. So hopefully if you enjoyed that, um, you will enjoy part two. If you haven't heard part one, I suggest you dig back and, and, and get that, you know, because it's there to listen to. It was, it was really good fun. And as ever, if you really dig what we're doing here and you appreciate this and you like this, the best thing anyone can do for us is to share it, tell somebody about it, spread the word and just get more people listening to our podcast because we're happy with it. We're, we're always trying to improve it. We enjoy doing it, but obviously we appreciate the feedback. So if you guys have anything you'd like to say, you want to get in touch, you can email us direct and it goes to us direct. There isn't a third party in between that intervenes. It's Todd and I, we do all the emailing ourselves. It's Stuart and Todd at gmail.com. And all the links will be in the show notes for this episode. So please do enjoy Don Lanning part two. You've talked to a lot of people. Is there is there a question or a certain question, group of questions that you like to ask? I know that like the actor's studio has the five yeah, <laughs> questions no, you guys. No, 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 no. I always I you, the, I get, you keep it every, loose. Every, yeah. I have, everyone's different. You know, oh. essentially it's it's thematically it's right. it's similar because you know Stuart came up with the name for the podcast "Battles with Bits of Rubber" right. because it's 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 what we all do. We're we're always battling with. Yeah. I like to deal with the nuts and bolts of grasp and the nettle, I think, because yeah. I hear a lot of podcasts that, that skirt around things, but I'm more interested in the act of making. The act of that, making. What that feels right. like a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's the thing that, that stops you doing it. Because yeah. Because you feel bad, it makes you feel crappy, and you don't want to yeah. come back, or you feel defeated. Right. Which is one of the things... Ooh, that can we, we talk about that? Too. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Sorry. When, when you've got these beginning sculptors, and they see that they've got kind of something cool going on, yeah, yeah. they want to do something... Bigger than right. they are ready for, ready to do. I love that. And you, you don't, you don't want to, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to stomp yeah. on that enthusiasm. And no, say, no, you want to. No, do, you can't do that. You want to do the opposite. But, but you also want to try to direct them into starting out a little bit. Right. It, it's a great project. It's ambitious. Right. But maybe we ought to start out a little bit smaller, so that when it fails, and if I just say, right. "Yeah, go ahead and try that," right. it's going to fail, and they're going to be crushed, and they're going to lose interest, and they're going to stop. They're going to want to stop doing it altogether. See, you know, once again, I agree with you. However, I have to put this, this caveat on it. I've had such a good time going the other way, and I, I have a slight a problem with authority, I suppose. So, um, being in situations where people have said, "Use a small amount of clay, play it cool like that." That has a certain value when you're in the structure of a college or what have you. Uh, but I've had such great uh, success by saying, go the other way. Uh, you think of the concept. I'll never give you the concept. Loud music, playing loud music during a class. Uh, having an emotional investment in the sculpture before the class even starts, having them do drawings. Indulging them. Uh, two Two blocks of wet clay. Not one. And if you want to grow the head into something insane, let me give you tinfoil and we'll pack the back of the head with this. I want to indulge the student. I want, to, I want to see where they want to go. I can restrain them along the path. And if I see that something is ludicrous, like horns that are going to fall down on the table, I'll stop that. But I want them to be indulged. I want to spoil them. And uh, I tell you, I understand what you're saying, but I've had success with both. I've had success with both, but it seems that if I indulge them, it's it's a better way to go. I got to tell you, let me give you a case in point. I go to teach over at Neil Gorton's uh, a school in Aylesbury, and it's a class that's all going to be done on Ed heads, no Alana heads. I think they all had Ed heads or head casts, and uh, and I'm I got an incredible confidence in this. So everybody does a giant head. And Neil's published all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I like that when they come out the other side. And uh, Neil Gordon was floored. And the students were floored. And it's a, a great way of saying we're going to give you value. Mm -hmm. uh, you can guess about the value on some small little thing. But there's no guessing about a full head done by a person who's on their first or second sculpture sitting on the table. 
the proof is there. And i got to cycle back to Neil for a second because I have had such a good experience. And I'm going to be there next month. And then I'm going to be there in November. Uh, I think the reason why uh, Neil and I have taken to each other so, so well, once again, is we have the students concerned first. We don't prejudge them. And, uh, and he loved the idea. I think the first time he had me out, he was probably, probably like, oh, my God. Because I walked in there and there's all these full head casts and it was a pretty, I can't remember how big the class was. It was 16, mm-hmm. 16 students. To take 16 people through full head casts or full head sculpts in 40 hours, you got to be a little nuts, <laughs> which I am in the good way, I hope. It's pushing it, isn't it? It's pushing, <laughs> it's pushing it hard. But you see, it's the value. It's the value. Even at 16, I was able to do a lot by dissertation, a lot by demonstration, and then I was able to go through and sit with each person, blank my mind, and meet them at their level and give them suggestions. And because, in part, I'm using a 300-year-old Rodin method for blocking out, I have these wonderful cheats standing on the shoulders of the greats, right? To get them on the page. So in the first couple of days, we already have full clay on. We already have full mass on. And then we get to play. So there's a lot of aggressiveness to it, but uh, I want to thank Neil on this because uh, I always say the most stupid thing, and then I look back and I say, why did I say that? Uh, it's true. I've never traveled before, and so it's a real treat for me to travel at all. I watched uh, when Neil was here. Was that here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking so, about when Neil was yeah, here yeah, recently. I remember you yeah. discussing things on video, and it was yeah. really nice because he was, he was very, <laughs> very succinct about explaining things. He doesn't very, things. Yeah. Very very precise because he knows it well That's enough. Right. He knows the business of how it's done well enough, but That's he right. also knows how students feel. And they do, do you know what I mean? He says he the right thing yeah. to them to get yeah. them on with it because if they, yeah. you don't want to spend time, you know, no, it, you know it was, not to get on with it, you That's know, right. start. That's right. Yeah. And it, I got to tell you, his visit here was very valuable because I am only speaking to you through the perspective of the sculptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil has a grander. Uh, perspective than I do. He has the onset perspective. He has the running the shop, having multiple employees and doing this. He has a much grander scope than I do. So it was great to have him here. A great benefit for my students. And uh, once again, when I go out there, I feel like I'm a, my mission statement is clear. I'm going to give them as much as I possibly can. And this time around, after our one week class with Neil, we're going to produce a bunch of heads again. We're going to publish all that. You'll see the results of it. And then they're going to send me over to Bolton College, which I've heard is wonderful. It's fantastic. And um, this is a different meditation. This is interesting to talk about. Um, I have done a lot of makeup stuff. And uh, with the Winston School, I did a board, a flat board that's just nothing but techniques. Mm-hmm. Techniques that go off textures and forms that are supposed to be modded and used as plugins for your makeups. So we're only doing two days in Bolton, but I'm excited because we're doing this board thing again. Mm-hmm. I did have 20, uh, not like the classes you were talking about, but I had 21, 22 students in Canada. And this board, I suppose I'm talking to educators as well, this board is a wonderful way for you to show your techniques to the students, and they're able to gauge and understand the techniques side by side on a board. A wonderful way to teach. So I'm looking very much forward to that. I know we have a lot of people that are... Uh, signed up at Bolton College. And then I'm going to go to Lille, France. Once again, we're back to landing so tickled to be able to carry my message, carry the techniques, uh, but also uh, travel and see another place. But I'm going to be doing the board class in Lille mm-hmm. in two days there. And I want to thank anybody that signed up for that. I understand we have a lot of signups. Uh, I'll also be at the IMATS, which is a treat. Um, uh, I'm a fan of Neil, so to stand next to him and do some sculpting demos is a thrill. And to be carried, literally, to the IMATS is a treat for me. Uh, I probably wouldn't be able to make it there, and uh, he treats me very well. But uh, all that aside, what a gentleman. And uh, I've watched his teaching, and I like his style. Mm-hmm. I like his style. He's a good guy. Well, he, well, he gets into the why as well as the how. Well, he sure does. Mm-hmm. He sure does. And I like, too, that he, he speaks from the hip. He, he hits you straight with it. He's not going to, you know, doll it up or make it something it's not. He's going to hit you straight on. So I, I really enjoyed working with him. And uh, and a great benefit, once again, to my students to ask him questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do bring in guests. I brought in Carriers and Joel Harlow and a few other people. 
into my class, but it's so great to get somebody else's perspective. It's like listening to an old album, I'm dating myself, where you just get every song is Peter Gabriel, which I love you, Peter Gabriel, but it's nice to have Kate Bush every now and yeah, then. Get a little other perspective on there. But uh, pretty excited. And, oh, I, I should close that by mentioning that I'm going to go back in November and we're going to do another class. Uh, we did this specifically because the class sold out, which I'm so proud to say that. Uh, the class sold out for Neil, uh, so we added another class in November. And uh, I think there's still spots left in that. But um, pretty exciting. Pretty wonderful stuff. Can I ask you a question as a, as a teacher Please. of sculpture? Yeah. Um, when you have students that are not happy, they feel like they failed or they, they're crushed. And I noticed how you were saying how, because I think one of the things is you get a lot of sensitive people who are interested in art. You mean in the class? The yeah, feeling yeah. That they and so, so if they sculpt something and they go, they just, you know, they, they use it as a starting point to feel bad about themselves because it's yeah. a well-practiced habit. I know that people can do that. Yeah. You mentioned earlier how you don't touch their stuff sometimes. You know, you show mm -hmm. by example, but everything they do is all them. Do you have a anything you could uh, be happy to describe what what mechanism or method or technique you would use to build someone up yeah. if they feel like they can't do it and it's like you know the starting right. point of a spiral and you can see them and you need to arrest this right now well I don't allow it and I mean that I don't allow it um, I've been teaching now for five years and I've lost two I'm going to tell on myself here I like to tell everybody i got a perfect track record I met two students that for whatever reason uh, uh, let's say exterior reasons and one perhaps interior reason where I just couldn't get them motivated and couldn't get them through it. Um, I just couldn't. Right. Uh, everybody else, I have an incredible record, and I'm very proud of it. Almost like being a diver, yeah, you yeah. know, or being a horseback rider. I, I haven't really lost anybody except some folks that had some dysfunction. Uh, 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 well, I'm not going to go further into that. Yeah. but um, I understand it completely. Yeah, I, I've been successful by, by keeping it up. Uh, nothing is down. Some people want you to tell them off and say, you're doing it wrong. Come on, do it. No. They want you to bad vibe them into some kind of results. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I'm not a false optimist. I wake up happy. Yeah. I haven't hurt anybody real bad in my life, so I sleep pretty well. So when I'm in a class and I see other teachers, and I've watched a lot of other teachers, and... Um, I don't like the teacher that walks in the room and looks at the kid or the kid's sculpture and looks down at him. Why are you doing that? You're going to keep the ears like that? That's not a teacher to me. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I remember two of my teachers from childhood. I remember Mr. Sprouse and Mr. Layton, and I'll take them to my grave. I loved those people because I knew they were telling me the truth. Truth. And because they were up. And productive. They would not slam me or take me apart unless they gave me a tool or an idea, or in the case of Mr. Layton, uh, reading Edgar Allan Poe, something to rebuild me. That's a teacher. Yeah, you can't you can't give somebody no. a negative no. without giving them a positive. Well, I've seen people do it. It happens all the time. If you're stuck, and I tell people at the beginning of my class, if you're stuck, tell me. If you're sitting there ripping at it, tell me I'll come over and I'll give you a tool, I'll give you a demo, or I'll give you an explanation. If you're really stuck, I'll sculpt half. Boom. And we'll leave it on there as a lesson until you sculpt the other half because we have a center line. Once yours is up and running beautifully, you kill mine. And because you have the center line, you bring it over to the other side. This is about the only way that I'll sculpt on your, your stuff, which is successful, by the way, for you teachers out there. And I have nothing proprietary. But uh, um, I want to add to this. I keep uh, music going. It's not necessarily my kind of music, but it's a mixture of things that I know that the age group will like. It keeps the energy level up. Have to have it. Yeah, have to have music the whole time. I can't sculpt without music. Me either. Me either. Uh, I have to. Uh, um, I don't ever judge them, and I don't. I, I, I'll be honest about it. I've never talked about this before. I am afraid of it. I don't know how these people get the, the balls of a brass monkey to do this stuff, but I'm afraid of souring a kid and sending him out of the room and saying, that teacher told me I didn't have anything. Ooh, you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. I'm not that special. There are some people that have the ego to do that. I don't. 
uh, I would be shattered if I hurt some kid like that or some young young artist. We're not going to do that. It's my job. It's my responsibility if I'm taking your money in any way, size, or form to make you strong. Make you strong and happy. This is a teacher, in my opinion. You can tell i got a lot of opinions about this. I saw a teacher walk out of a class, or the kid walked out of a, uh, excuse me, the, the child walked out of the classroom, went to the bathroom, and the teacher was sculpting on the kid's thing. Are you out of your mind? Who are you doing that for? The students are not even in the room. So, once again, i got a lot of opinions on this, but our idea is to save you time, to give you a rehearsal without competition, without somebody trying to steal your chair out from under you, to give you a rehearsal and the refreshment of understanding the tools and getting a good sculpture done and saving you the confusion that I experienced in training myself. Mm-hmm. i got to tell you, I wasted almost a decade uh, not going to a school and all that kind of stuff. So uh, good teachers are up. Good teachers are truth tellers. They tell you the truth. And they're honest about their frailties. If I screw up in front of a student, I, I tell them. I have no ego that, that says i got to protect it. But I don't affect them with any crappy attitude. Uh, speaking of attitude, ego. Ego is why people do that. And uh, sculptors get accused a lot of times for having big egos. Some do, some don't. Uh, I get spanked. <laughs> Every other show, either I'm the guy who flew in with giant mechanical wings and saved the show, or I'm an idiot. Take a broom. Sweep the place up. This has helped me very much with my ego. For your listeners, I want to tell you the type of ego you should have. It should be a healthy ego. I mentioned the manatee earlier. When I first started out, I sculpted this giant manatee. My healthy ego goes up. I can sculpt a manatee. So when they say, can you sculpt a mule? Sure. I sculpted a manatee. If I sculpted a manatee, I can sculpt a mule. This is healthy ego stuff. You guys, as you come into the business, don't hit everybody with a bunch of ego. Don't make somebody uh, who's nice swim through 20 minutes of your shitty personality. They finally can get to you. Be nice. Be open. Uh, and don't develop an ego on all this stuff. I, I remember I got to work on Superman Returns, and it was a real position of responsibility. They'd spent all this money on this movie, and I got to sit down and do this muscle suit in a week. Oh my God. Thankful. Pinching myself. How am I this lucky? Um, I also had a little bit of increase in shit ego <laughs> at that time. I have, sculpt, I have sculpted Superman. Who gives a shit? Boom. Somebody's going to hurt me the very next show. But it, you're going to get your ego adjusted by the jobs anyways. So try to keep it cool. And uh, I want to tell you to love your fellow artist. When you see the guy sculpting across the table from you, he or she is having the same experience as you. Well, it's, you know, from a hiring standpoint, I would much rather hire somebody with a modicum of talent who is trainable and gets along well with everybody of course. than somebody whose skill set is is off the chart but, but has a real attitude and yeah. is a dick to be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, once again, a lot of those type of folks, they, they work themselves out of it uh, because it's true. We want to work with our friends. i got to tell you guys, uh, I, I'm so opinionated tonight, but Nothing changes. You know, I'm still a little kid standing in my neighborhood street over in Canoga Park. And I walk up to Stuart and I say, Stuart, I got some nails. And Stuart says to me, I got some wood. Let's go build a tree house. <laughs> We're still little kids. And nothing's changed. So remember when you're getting these jobs, people want to work with their friends. Could you imagine having a nice workshop in a tree? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that would be great. That would be yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, we get cool. a little bully system. Yeah. yeah. In the basket. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love well, it. That's what's happened today. Like, we, we've come over here. We were all talking about stuff on the way over in the car. We got you know recorders. We're sat on the bench. Sure, sure. We're kind of having fun. It's the same thing. It's that it's desire. Wonderful. We, we come here with an honest intention. Oh, yeah. To get to grips with something and discuss the problems that we find and all this right. kind of stuff. And it's the same mentality, like you say, with the nails yeah. in the wood. It's, it's a yeah. desire to create something. It's a desire to... Uh, we be, do it because we yeah. can't not do it. Yeah. It's, you know, oh, I yeah. say it all the time. Yeah. yeah, and we're pack animals. Not to give you some weird thing, but yeah. I got to tell you, I'm a better sculptor when I'm in a room full of people. 
Oh, sure. oh it's like playing tennis with against somebody right. who's better than you are. That's right. That's Your right. game is going to improve. It's it's amazing how dramatic it is. Uh, I got to tell you, it's hard for me to sculpt alone. After sitting with Norman Cabrera for about four years of my life, uh, you guys. And I imagine for some people that would be really intimidating. It was intimidating. When I first worked with Norman, I got to tell you, I had the good sense. I walked in the room and I knew that special effects was something I had to have in my life. And so I I knew enough to go stand next to Norman and not leave. Uh, I wasn't rude. I was was funny. I was transparent as I could be at the time. But once I got on his hip, I'm not leaving. I was watching him and learning from him. And that's a note for you guys out there. Uh, Come in the room and find the best people in the room. I know I sound like dad or giving some dad advice, but uh, go get next to the best people in the room. If you find yourself at a table with a bunch of negative people complaining and bitching, get up. Go find the most positive, most talented people in the room and go stand next to them. Stay with them. Stay with them. Sounds a little preachy, but it's true. Um, It's true. I have a weird thing to tell you because I just was doing this recently on a job. I was under terrible pressure, terrible deadlines, and uh, I've done this before, but I just, it really saved me recently. I got my favorite song, which for me is a dance song with a great hook, and I looped it, and I put myself into meditation mode, and I listened to the same song for three days. I don't have to think about what the next song is. I know I love the jam of it. It's got a great beat, so it pushes me through it. But it becomes like a mantra thing. What I'm saying is very strange, but I want you guys to try this. When you're under pressure and you've got to do a block out of a creature, loop that song and listen to the same song over and over again. It'll put you in kind of a neat battle mode. Try this. I know it sounds a little odd, but I've done this many times now. <laughs> what song is it? Or is it a matter? Is it change? Uh-huh. What song is it? Or do you not want to say? Oh, it's uh, uh You know what? If I told you, you'd probably laugh at it. Whatever song you happen to like, it can be country music. You know, it's all subjective. Just find a song that has a good beat, and it will push you through your block out. Uh, I want you to try this as an it takes experiment. Takes you to your happy place. It takes you to your happy place, and the repetition of it is somehow it just keeps you in the pocket. You sort of transcend listening. You're not listening anymore. It's more of a... Yeah. It's more of an attitude. It becomes, yeah. becomes like a heartbeat. I think so, yeah. And it's a funny, what a weird thing to tell you, but uh, there's all these things. I was thinking about tools the other day. How are we doing on time? May we continue? I'm happy to go as long as you're, you are. I'm happy yeah. to go. i got to tell you about my... Uh, uh, you, you asked me the greatest thing about... Uh, my preparation for a sculpture, and I described how it was in the beginning, the middle, what have you, and where I'm at now. And uh, my relationships with tools has changed dramatically. When I was a little boy over in Canoga Park, uh, we had the one tool. It was a Kemper tool with a G.I. Joe symbol on the top of it, and we called it the Rick Baker tool. And that was kind of it. We had leisure clay, Roma clay, and I had this one tool, and it was priceless for me. And I was thinking about my relationships with tools in relation to your your uh, your question or your idea. And it's funny how it changes throughout the years. So I get into professional, working professionally in around 97. And I go through these honeymoon phases with new tools. And because I'm working a lot, I'm like, ooh, this tool's it. And I'd fall in love with this tool and I'd hang on to it. And it would be my main tool for a month or two. Then the honeymoon would wear off. Ooh, I got another tool. And I would go through these things. And I remember myself, uh, I remember the tools from that time that I went through these honeymoon phases with. And it was funny, uh, interesting to note. Now I have about four or five tools. And I'm older, and I've mutated myself. I don't use chemicals much. I don't use terpenoid anymore. Through exposure to my old friend Jim Cagle, uh, I use water. And uh, and these four or five tools that I have, I noticed that at this stage of life, uh, uh, the Kemper D9, I can get so many different effects out of it by changing the way I hold it in relation to the surface of the clay. I hold it this way and I get cracks. I hold it this way and I can still pick pores. I get much more dynamic uh, use out of the tools in the way that I hold it. Isn't this interesting? Um, I was thinking about my friend of mine I haven't seen in years, Jeremy Aiello. 
I was, I was just thinking. Do you know? About him. Do you, yeah. A moment ago, when you were talking oh, about yeah. talking about attitude. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember a friend of mine, Will Slapka, who I haven't seen in years. He was boasting about Jeremy, and uh, he said, "Jeremy Ayala, he could sculpt anything with a pencil." <laughs> and that stuck with me for some reason. I'm, I'm reminiscing here about odd things, but I love the idea that it's the person behind the tool. Mm-hmm. It's the experience. I believe Jeremy Ayala can sculpt anything with a pencil, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Interesting to think about uh, how at different times in your life how important the tools are. It's interesting that 25 years in working professionally and 42 years in sculpting just monsters that I really got it down to about uh, three or four primary tools. I'm still burnishing with a heavy beard sponge. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to know out there that because of a, a wild exposure to Mr. Wang, Mr. Steve Wang, and being his second for a very few years, four years, three or four years. Um, I control every single pore. Every single pore is under my control, and it's all directional. Everything except for my teenage acne. When I see people with the four nails stabbing into a sculpture, I don't understand that. Because you're just creating a repetition. Yeah. I, yeah well, it's it's a, and, stamps that, you know. That's again. right. And by the way, if you've made that four, four nail tool work for you, I'm not being condescending to you, that's great, but I never was able to get it because... It's a stab and a pull. It's a stab and a pull everywhere. And then there's a frequency of stabbing, and I'm in charge of everything, and it's all directional. My forehead traveling from left to right. Uh, my neck traveling from left to right. My upper lip traveling down towards my neck. My chin traveling down. The cell structure on my nose traveling down. You see? Uh, so I approach it all like that. But I want to tell you, uh, new sculptors and old sculptors out there, everybody, that, um, gosh, that mutated. Uh, there was a time where I was in control of everything, and i do a little alcohol wipe. I got rid of the alcohol, and now I'm just burnishing with my fingers in water. And uh, I did the powder thing for a couple of years. Baby powder, here I go. Ah, I don't, I don't need much about anything. I just am able to take the back of the old Rick Baker tool and scuff it. Scuff it with the wire. And I get kind of the effect I want. And I know that's repetition, but I want you to look out for that. Mm -hmm. Be on the lookout for that. And and remember that I said that all cell structure is directional. I know when I've I've been sculpting and I've really felt in the zone and I know I'm at my best. Mm -hmm. You can feel it coursing through you. Yeah. It almost doesn't matter what tool I've got. Hand, do you know what I mean? It's Is that just, true? Is that true? It's, it's almost like the texture has to come out and it will just pass through whatever tool you've got. I and love that. You're right. You're a, 100% there's right. There's a mistake, I think, where you think, I have to get the right tool to get the thing, and it isn't that. It's like, you know, you could... Yeah. It'll happen. If, if, if you're ready to push it out of you, it, yeah. it'll happen regardless. God, I don't want to overstate it, but i gotta, I got to add something to that. Uh, those Wizard of Oz heads, the, uh, uh, the Tin Man wanted to be out. Took me a month. Yeah. The Cowardly Lion took me a year, and it grew fungus. It was in wood. Some sculptures want to come out. It's almost like they're preloaded in some kind of uh, 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 synergy, or what, what is it, uh, uh, where it's meant to be, where you have irony mixed in, whatever. Mm-hmm. Almost a metaphysical thing where they want to come out of you. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, it is. It's just kind of... Yeah. 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 It's like you're doing right now what should be happening. Yeah. And nothing, yeah. It's magic. It's magic. Mm-hmm. It is magic. And I, I got to tell you, once again, if you think about it, I've overstated a few things tonight, but I'm going to go further. <laughs> uh, why stop now? Why stop now that I've, you know what? Uh, if people have listened this long, I think it's safe to say that they're, yeah. they're into it. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let me give us credit where credit is due, I feel. Uh, we're the genetic product of thousands of years. And we are these wonderful creatures we don't give ourselves credit when i'm sculpting i'm making 300 400 little micro decisions to get my eye hand coordination to come up and bring the clay to the cast in a meaningful way i have to tell you i think that uh, we're using such a subtle mechanism you know what i'm saying yeah. and once again everybody has the right to do what they want to do i'm all for you yeah. but uh our brains are doing such an amazing thing and we don't give ourselves credit Sculpting is a is a is a miracle. What, what we're doing it is that it is it's weird because it is in like drugs. It, 
it is something that does give you that dopamine hit, and I, I felt it. Does it. me? I felt mm. it. It's a tangible. Oh yeah. Chemical when, yeah, process. when you get into the yeah. zone, it's like sculpting everything with one tool. If mm-hmm. when yeah. when the mojo's working, the mojo's working. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, but by contrast, I would I would counter that by saying it can have a similar effect in negative, where you'll want to feel that. So you've got your two hours in the evening. I'm going to sculpt, and for some reason, it's not going right. Yeah. Yeah. Can, I've had that too. Oh, oh, sure. Oh, so that's yeah. why I asked you earlier about how do you build yourself up? Yeah. 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 There, yeah. there have been many yeah. times when I've started a sculpture and I'm I'm three days into it and I yeah. go. Fuck this! And yeah, I, and it, and it, it's just and shit. I just, yeah, it's just mash it all together, and, and, go, I, and, I, shit, I, and yeah. I wipe the slate, and I start over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do that on my next help. Uh, yeah, uh, just to be uh, honest about it, um, I have a thing where, if, once again, if I sculpt something alone, I have an idea. Boy, I better love it, because if I start a maquette, for example, anything, if I'm alone at the inception. If there's, uh, it's not that I need an audience. It's that I'm alone, and I really better love it because um, if it sits for a couple of weeks, it's dead. Forget it. I'm never gonna finish it. Yeah. I might as well just throw it out now. I lost my mojo. I lost my my rhythm. Yeah. Well, it's, and sometimes <laughs> you just have to look at something and say, it's done, and yeah, yeah. that's as done as it's gonna get. It's mm-hmm. time to move. I'm not wasting any more right. life force on this project. Right. I've I've got an I've got another one that needs to come out. Here's a common question that I get. Let me ask you. Um, do you ever feel like your sculptures are done, or do you feel like you could? No, just no. Go I, I think I think that's part of the nature of being an artist. Is right. I'm never satisfied with my work. Me too. Never. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean I, I I don't sometimes look at it and go. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, I've had that. No I've ma- had that. I think no matter how good you get, there's always going to be room for I improvement. Have that. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. you know more time, yeah. um, better materials, yeah. that tool that you yeah. can't find. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I have that quite a bit. And even though I I can I, I'm the same as you. I can feel like I got this. I think that's the nature of an artist. Yeah, yeah. I could have done more. Or I'd like to. I'd like to. But at some point, you have detail. to. You have to look because yeah. you can. You can over detail something. You can. Oh, you sure you can. can detail yeah, yeah, yeah. it yeah. to death. Yeah. yeah, I get that. With the you have to. There comes a point when you've got to say. Yeah. Enough is enough. I have that. That's when I was saying. Like, I, I feel it by my emotion. I right. know when I've arrived, and I feel to myself, this is the best. This is going to be. Right. It's done. And if I know I do it's any, not as good as do it anything be, else. I know it's yeah, going to be shit. I've, I've, I've got yeah. to stop. What's got to happen next is I've just got to do another sculpt yeah. to get. There. I can't <laughs> right, make right. this one any better. This one's right. done now. That ship has sailed. Right. Like you were saying, that sculpt. If you leave it for two weeks, the moment's passed. I feel like that happens on the sculpt. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I've exhausted myself yeah. on it. Yeah, and I've got. It's yeah. like trying to lift weights. There's a point which your muscles exhaust. I can't lift anymore. That's it. I will get stronger this yeah. time next week, but right now I'm done with this. Yeah, and yeah. that's how I feel. That's how I know when I'm, I'm done because yeah. I can't do any more. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes you. you don't have that much time. You just bang it out. You know it could be better, but there's a deadline. Right. Yeah, it's good enough. It, this has um, to get molded tomorrow. But yeah, that, yeah, that's when you're doing. And I think a lot of people, especially people listening to this, there are probably more people who are doing personal projects. They don't have an external deadline, and they don't have. An external purpose they that, that provides that's right. I think right. having, so they can run around in circles. But I think having a deadline is important. A it is. I think you need to impose your deadline. An idea of one, certainly. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just as you guys are talking, I'm thinking to myself the value of. I mean, I'm glad. I think that, understanding the, how to budget your time. Yeah, that's a good way. Espe- of especially, you time, especially if, if, not if your intention is maybe taking your hobby to the next level that right. you can envision yourself being paid for for what you do yeah then you know it's it's a matter of what's my time worth yeah how long is it going to take me to do this if i am getting paid for this right. by somebody I'm, right. somebody comes to me and says god i saw that thing you did in class would you be interested in right. doing doing a custom commission for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay well you figure out how much it's going to cost for you to do that you know right. you you right. know what your your time <coughs> and materials and, and so mm-hmm. on are worth well, you can keep working and working and working. Right. You know, think it's going to maybe take me 18, 20 hours to do right. this project. Right. But then 36 hours into it, you're still halfway through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, what's your time worth now? Because yeah. you, you can't say, hey, you know, I know we agreed on 800 bucks for this right. project, but right. I've spent a lot more time in 
right. and an effort on this, it's gonna it's gonna cost you three grand. Right. They're gonna say, "Eat me." Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned. I think you said the words workflow. That's that's the key. Uh, oftentimes, no matter what I'm feeling, I, I I do have the mechanism to say, "Okay, I need to do this." I need. I actually will write down notes. I got to get the back of the ears on. I got to tweak the bottom side of the chin. I got to hit this list. I got to adjust my workflow because I got to get a sign yeah, off at tomorrow. Because tomorrow you so, need to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And if I don't have this, this, and this done today, yeah. that's not going to happen. And right. then, then I'm in trouble. It, it also forces you to prioritize. Uh, say, for example, how many waves of detail can I do? Well, I only have time for this. I better get in this part because I know I got to have that. And then you can start omitting uh, the things that perhaps yeah, you. Yeah. What are the critical on. things to have? Yeah. And yeah. What. What can I do without? Even though I, I want, I would love to have that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What What can I leave out that the client's not going to go apeshit about? Right. That's right. You do have to design your workflow. Gosh, since we're on this, I want to come back to you, but I, I got something to say to everybody out there. There's something that we never talk about that really guides our behavior. So much so, I'm surprised I haven't heard people talk about it more. Uh, no matter what your ego is. The reason why we have such a great work ethic, uh, and I mean most sculptors working, most sculptors I've ever worked with, the reason why we're going so hard to some level of perfection is because it's one of the most obvious things in the world. I never know when I'm going to get a close-up on my work. And I've seen Tom Cruise's face, seven feet tall, with a bad edge that I made. Once that happens to you, you're on your best behavior. If I sculpt a cadaver or a body, I got fingerprints sculpted on that thing with a rake on the bottom of the feet and the hands. Who am I trying to impress? Well, first of all, I'm trying to be ready for my close-up. This keeps my work ethic incredibly high. Most of the time, they're never going to see the fingerprints. They're never going to see all this texture that I do. So who am I really doing it for? I'm doing it for the aforementioned reason, but I'm working to freak out Norman Cabrera. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm working, working to freak you out. Okay? Yeah. If I can freak you out, then I've done something. Yeah. And I can't say this to you, but I, uh, without telling you, the beauty of the Impressionism movement, okay, the beauty of the, the water lilies, is that that movement destroys what's come before as far as classical train and realism. It lays waste to it, and we get 40 years of people appreciating water lilies and light dancing on this and that. And we devalue the Berninis. We devalue realism. So where is it today? Mm -hmm. For me, for me, I find the modern-day Michelangelo in Chet's art. My Bernini is Norman Cabrera. The geniuses of art are alive and well in the movie business. That's where they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm not overstating that, folks. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you the truth. No, we were having a discussion with Steve Wang the other day about yeah. you know, the, the gray area between what's com considered commercial art yeah, yeah. Well, and fine art. Let me let me let me jump back for one second. I don't mean to cut you off, but I gotta drive a point home. The impressionism movement leveled the playing field for everybody. So fine art changed. So now you could wrap a wire around a rock and call yourself an artist. Mm -hmm. You didn't need to study anymore. So it made art for everybody. That's great, sure. But there was no admission. Anymore, there was no training, there was no dedicating your life to this art, what have it, whatever aspect, uh, oil painting, what have you. Dump a can of paint on your head and roll around on a sheet. So it leveled the playing field for everybody, but it also homogenized it out. Uh, forgive me for cutting you off, but uh, right. but I wanted to drive that point home. When I see these artists that have spent their lifetimes working out how to do proper cell structure on a yeah, realistic yeah. appliance, when I see Henry Winkler 
in an age makeup from Click. Yeah. I mean, that's, Brilliant my stuff. God, that's mind-splitting. Yeah. That's the Mona Lisa, yeah. right? Or Cole Kazoo's Winston Churchill. Oh, my called? God, yes. I mean, oh my God, this yes. is real. <laughs> it's nuts. And you don't have to agree with that. Uh, once again, I, I do love, uh, I realize that all art is subjective. And I, I wouldn't be exclusionary. I wouldn't say that there's, you know, impressionism has to go. You know, but there should be uh, in the fine art world. It's always confused me. This is the fine art world, you know. And then I uh, get something like Juxtapose, a magazine, and I am so happy to see a realistic sculpture, a surreal realistic sculpture. But you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for that. So once again, uh, I love this art form, and I love this business, and I think it is the nest. It, it is, is the home of fine art. It, it, it's also knowing about who the people are that do this stuff, because it's it's about insisting on high standards. Because once you've seen right. what is possible up That's close, right. when you look at like oh, you yeah. can see like a motion picture effect, you can see at the moment the the giant Dick Smith head. <laughs> yeah, great you, example. You get yeah. to go right up close to it, and you you can kind of see the tool marks. Yeah. Yeah. But you can see the the, oh, the tool marks would, are the right would, shape would to look like wrinkles. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But you can tell it's if I took a photo of it, I can I can kind of see in the sculpt that they are tool marks. But yes. when you look at the silicon head, you realize they're the right tool mark to yeah. look like a wrinkle in the yeah. skin because he's sculpting for a translucent material. Cause That's right. Because he fucking knows. That's right. In advance, what to do. That's right. For later on. <laughs> yeah. And it's I remember the first time I ever saw anyone sculpt anything like that was Mark Coulier, and I remember thinking. Huh, I can see yeah, yeah. what it has to look like. It still looks like plastic because it's the color of plastic, but I can see the shape it has to be in order to look like a real nose. That's right. I, uh, just to agree with just you, th- there's that. a certain drama in those little pole lines yeah. that he's keeping because he knows. Uh, I don't want to put it, it's stupid to put a percentage on it. He instinctually knows I need this level of that little scratch mark to be able to read in the transition yeah. to the silicone. Yeah. You're 100% right. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's an audacious thing to sculpt anything, isn't it? And to, mm. and to keep pushing. Because it's like, nobody needs it. It's not like medicine or right. shelter or water. It's, 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 an, yeah. it's an extra thing. So yeah. not, not everyone does it and not everyone pursues it to that level. But yeah. when it's done that well, it, yeah. it's going to sound really wanky, but it kind of transcends something. Oh my it, gosh. It steps into a different... <laughs> phase because at this point now when you look at the final thing you go yeah. fuck I can't actually see what you've done anymore right it's disappeared right you know what I mean the illusion right. is so complete well I know this is going off a little bit but I'm keying off what you're talking about when you say transcend okay once again back to the fact of how beautiful this artwork is and how it is the fine art in the modern world when I was a little boy I would see TV commercials and movies where you'd see a guy standing in front of a painting and to me this was a caricature and the guy would be sitting there and he'd have a an epiphany and he'd go sublime and he'd start crying and as a child oh I knew that was silly that's not real that's not going to happen guess what 42 years into sculpting you can have sublime experiences. You can be moved. You can be transformed. You can be taken to another place and have a great epiphany and understanding by looking at sculpture and the decorative arts. Because you have to feel it. You can't witness it in somebody else and know it. It's like, I don't know, it's like an I'm, orgasm or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's an experience. It's well, not something you can observe yeah. take on board or a nice meal. You can see someone eat something, but you have to eat it, and it's like, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. It gets Look, you in a way that you can't... It bypasses your senses yeah, in a way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you even get it even more out there, you guys that are listening. What is Lanning saying? Sublime screaming sublime. You ever listen to a song and you're moved to tears? It's that feeling. Yeah. It's exactly, that feeling. Yeah. If you've ever cried to a song, this is what I'm telling you. If you've sculpted your whole life or if you've appreciated art, look for the sublime. Look for being able to transcend, as you said. Yeah, it bypasses artwork. your ability to edit yourself. Yeah. It, yeah. You, you, you don't get to control it. Or, or it presents itself in the form of epiphany. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to tell you something personal, and you guys, can, everybody out there can poke a little fun at me. It's not a big deal, but... Um, uh, God, it took me to my mid-40s to get to, get to this. I, I was just, I've been aware of Norman Rockwell my whole life. I've looked through his books. I've owned his books. I still own this book. I'm about 45. Uh, and I just fanned through 
Miss Norman Rockwell book, and the pages fly beyond me, and I see the different panels with the people gossiping, and I see this, and it hits me. In a moment, in a fraction of a moment, I was hit with the beauty of this man's career, the body of his work, the mass of the work, what it meant to me, what it potentially meant to others, all within the fraction of a second, and I started crying. Sublime. These are the kinds of experiences you can have having an artistic lifestyle. So at the top of this, when I'm talking to you about all this stuff, about why it adds to your life, this is one of those reasons. Um, it changes, and it changes your perspective. i got to go back to the... Uh, art is a uh, is subjective. I had a, not quite a sublime experience, but I had another experience where I went over to LACMA, and somebody had taken the corners of the room out with plaster. And so you walk into this room and there's no corners in it. And so you're automatically, you're suddenly floating. I wouldn't leave this room. My girlfriend's like, you got to get out. No, I'm staying in this room. I've been transported. Because somebody took a plaster and a trowel and got rid of all the corners. Anyways, this all goes to, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but uh, the magic of art in your life. It's the thing to chase. It's the thing to be part of. Do it because you can't not do it. Absolutely. Uh, well, I was sick. I knew it, though. When I was in my 20s, I, you wouldn't want to be around me. When I got towards my 30s, I was uh, living somebody else's life. And I knew it. I was sick. I was in career uh, and living a life that was not mine. So much so that when I got over to Valgina, I met old Doug White. And we did a Donkey Kong commercial. And I turned to, I sculpted, Doug allowed me, I'm brand new. Doug allowed me to take the head cast with him, sculpt an orangutan face on this beautiful girl, go to set, apply it. Apply it horribly, I might add. <laughs> God bless you, Doug. I found something I loved more than myself. I didn't have a lot of self-love at the time. I was a little lost coming out of my 20s for sure. I found art, though. And I was like, oh, my God, I got it. I got it. Some people let go of it now. I can't let go of it. Yeah. Uh, once again, I, I know people and I know families of people. I know a lot of people that go through life and they never know what informs their soul, uh, what they should be in career of, what they, what they need. Yeah. And I got it. Yeah. Aren't I lucky? Yeah. Oh my God! Get that flow state. Oh. You just you just connect with something so deeply. You you don't you know, time or no, anything. You no, just, you're there. Yeah, you're there. And uh, once again, this goes out to all of your listeners. If you if you know that you're an artist, and if you get these feelings that we're talking about here, for God's sake, leave that crappy job. Lose it, lose it. Go out and take a chance if you can. Don't hurt your family. Don't stop the flow of money, but make a plan to get involved in some way, size, or form and get out there and get that art. I want you to know I think of the study of art as the same as physics, as the same as mathematics. I give it just the same amount of weight and importance. This is the thing to do. So if you feel called to it, come on and join us. doesn't have to be Hollywood. doesn't have to be movies. But... Uh, Get some alone time, get some art materials, and get into it. Don, I have a question about your Oz heads. Sure. Or not as it, but that's a good example of a personal project. Yeah. When you have a deadline, mm-hmm. obviously you can budget your time accordingly. Right. But when it's your own project, it's coming from inside and you're doing it because you can't not do it. Yeah. How do you know when you've finished? How do you know when the Tin Man's done? Oh, a great question. Um, in the case of the Tin Man, he just happened. Uh, he wanted the, this sculpture was a sculpture that, um, because I'm emulating an archetype. Nobody needs to tell you who the Tin Man is. He was kind of like a balled up rubber band ball inside of me. This sculpture happened in a month, and it seemed to sculpt itself. Was there it an was, inspiration for for the face? Yeah, a little bit of Clint East went in there, but the idea was to uh, the idea was to experience that archetype. I gotta mention this to your audience. Speaking of archetypes, tell me, Joseph Campbell, you know, hero, oh yeah, hero's journey. That's oh my gosh, yes, that's funny. I I don't never push any of that to my students, but I I love comparative religion and I uh, I enjoy his point of view. And he was a George Lucas's guy, but mm-hmm. uh, 
But back to this type of stuff. Uh, it's a wonderful problem for you sculptors out there to set to yourself. I'm going to redesign the Easter Bunny. I'm going to do my own version of this character. I've noticed a lot more people are doing that now. Nobody needs to explain to you who the Wizard of Oz archetypes are. We already know. So the backstory is already in, so it becomes about what is your interpretation. I think this is a wonderful thing for all of our community to get into. Do your own version. Do your own version of the Wizard of Oz. There's an exercise. And uh, uh, to answer your question, though, I am coming back to the scheduling on these because some of them were very difficult. And to call a time on it was wildly nuts. Um, I mean, did you give yourself a time, or was it more a case of it has to be right? Well, because of how I'm conditioned, because of how I was trained, because uh, uh, because of the deadlines I've experienced, I'm pretty fast anyway, and I get bored. You'll hear sculptors say, I could never spend that long. In the uh, uh, 15 years ago, I got a, a week for a head. Now you get three days, and I don't want to scare anybody out there. You can do it, no problem. It used to be uh, for a set of hands, the back of the hands, you get five days. Now you get two days, this kind of this kind of thing. So my expectation is that I'm going to blast through all of it. The Cowardly Lion was uh, up for a year, and I kept changing the expression, and I couldn't land the sculpture to save my life. Um, I'm going to come back to this idea of how long it took for some of these things, and how, do I, how was I able to close them. But I have something very important for the listeners. Uh, copyright.org. These are the first sculptures in my life that I paid $35 for. I copywrote Don Lanning's Oz, and I own these guys. What a weird, wonderful thing. I want you sculptors out there to go copyright your own sculptures. I've been in service. I've been a shop monkey my whole life, most of it at any rate. So I'm always manifesting and generating things for other people. I was on Nip Tuck, and I was cross-eyed from doing so many beautiful little cell structures. These things were born out of no rules, just bang them out. And here I found a little bit of my own style. My You're own saying style. you can actually pay some money to secure that as intellectual property. With $35, I was able to copyright the name and the images of three or four heads. I think you could go up to five or six under one payment of 35 But I own those. And they got the photographs on file. It changes your relationship with the sculpture. And it's a turn on. It's absolutely fantastic. I want you guys to go copyright your stuff. Um, so I own these guys, and I own the name Don Lanning Oz. A lot of pride in that, uh, and an unexpected feeling. But as far as closing the box on these guys, these guys I mentioned were out of a response to being so tied to the grindstone on two seasons of Nip Tuck. Um, the mission on them was to enjoy the, one of the most beautiful movies in the world, uh, 1939. What a year. Uh, to visit those archetypes and to have no rules, throw in the kitchen sink, leave the detail rough. Um, my inspiration for all of this stuff is a broken boat, uh, the wood of the boat coming apart. Don't finish it. If you have the mind to think of it like a chimney, On uh, uh, there's another thing out here called TikTok that has a chimney. Mm -hmm. Do it! Don't self-edit. All that stuff, uh, the Wizard of Oz stuff, comes from not self-editing. But uh, to land them was incredibly difficult for the, the lion. I had to go closer and closer to the lion's real anatomy and keep what expression I could. And then I looked at these beautiful caves. I believe they're in France where you see a crying lion and he's etched into the... Oh, yeah, the, the You know, you know yeah, what I'm talking about. Yeah. I used that for the inspiration on the hair and left the hair very uh, sculptural. But it took a year to land him and I had to hit him with bleach to get rid of this black fungus that grew on the wet clay. Uh, pretty bizarre. The gorilla uh, was fun. Did a lot of single frame on him. Um, some people think that the wings are ears. That didn't matter. Single frame. Sorry, what do you mean by that? Um, I would set up a camera and shoot single frame, one frame every uh, what? Uh, uh, every oh, second. So you did a time lapse. Yeah, did a time lapse. And so I have a lot of his detail work uh, done in a time lapse. He seemed to come together very good. I don't know if the wings and the way I represented the wings were good. Maybe they look like ears, maybe they don't. But no, I, I definitely see bat wings. Yeah, and he was a lot of reference. He was a lot of staring at a, few, a very few pictures of the uh, gorilla completely in apex, for sure. 
and I always loved those pictures, so I stayed close to the reference for the wrinkles. Uh, the wrinkles around the eyes on the griller are also using the rubber tip tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had great fun with the rubber tip tool. Uh, I used it first on Scooby-Doo, doing a maquette for Tom and Alec at ADI. And uh, I was working on the black stuff that falls out of the corners of the mouth. Mm-hmm. And I was able to use a rubber tip tool. Uh, the rubber tip tool is a wonderful thing. Please look into the clay shaper out there and go for the chisel, the square end. I haven't found any use for the other ones. Maybe you will. But but I was able to land the gorilla in about a month. And uh, the scarecrow, he started out as a bad play on words, so I've got a scary crow face with an eight ball for an eye on the backside of him. That's just gross crappiness. So I realized I'm doing the wrong thing here, and I sculpted the sweet country boy on the back of that. And it probably took about two months to land that one. But uh, there was no workflow. Uh, go crazy, do everything I want, and just uh, don't experience too much of a deadline. Mm-hmm. So the only deadline I really felt was the lion. That's interesting. So you didn't set yourself a deadline. Not on those. But at the same time, you set yourself a standard that you wouldn't drop below. To, I mean, to stay oh, with agree. that lion for a year. Oh, yeah. And yeah. to come back for it. Oh, yeah. That took some, because you obviously had to get that out. And you knew it wasn't right, but at the same yeah. time, you weren't prepared to say, well, I just want to do a lion then. You had to fucking finish that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would whisper away at you. Yeah. Well, it was like a fist fight. Some of these things... uh, They are. They are. It's like a fist fight. I got to tell you, uh, I know we're talking about this, but on uh, Battle Los Angeles, I always think back when I say fist fight because uh, a seven-foot-tall creature that they thought would be silicone, so we had to do it in Chavant, and I feel like it was just a absolute, ah, you know, I had people going in succession carrying clay to me, and I had five people on the sculpture, um, but as the key, it was a, it was a, a rock'em, sock'em robot deluxe, you know, oh my God, how am I going to get out of this? So when we got the uh, the director to come in and sign off, it took two meetings to do it, but it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, fist fight. But uh, you guys doing doing your personal work, uh, I'll reveal something. Um I was tired at the end of Nip Tuck, and I was uh, cross-eyed, and I kind of got very blocked, very, very blocked. And we as artists, we talk about this. How do you get out of the block? Um, I was so tired of surgeries and wounds and scars and scar tissue and burns and did 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 So uh, under that duress, it was time to go wild. And I hadn't sculpted for myself in about 10 years. That me was kind of gone. And, uh, and um, I think it was my first year I went to Monster Palooza. I took TikTok, which is a guy with all kinds of roots, an evil uh, cuckoo clock. And that's where I stood at this table my first year at Monster Palooza. And I got so many sweet people in the community and outside the community coming up and saying, Oh, this is great. Why, there always should have been an evil uh, cuckoo clock. Well, that's good that you did it. And so I kind of had a, a little rebirth. And I was like, well, that's that loose boat, right? That's the wood coming apart. It's that same looseness that inspired these guys. So I went back to, I, I broke the, I broke the block. And, uh, and then the copywriting it uh, reaffirmed the breaking of the block. Now I'm re-blocked. <laughs> uh, the last one I did was the, uh, the gorilla. And I'm completely, I've been so lucky. I'm so uh, thankful to the employers that I've been working a lot. So that's part of it. But I am literally blocked. I know what I want to do, but I just can't go there. I don't know why, but I'm hoping for an opportunity to continue with the Oz stuff at another time. But it's about three years, three years, four years of a block on that. Wow. Well, here's here's the unblocking soon. <laughs> God, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I've got so many of them planned. Those I, blockages can be dangerous. I want to do a giant green wizard head that is on a spindle that's yelling, right, and is turning slowly on a spindle, and as it turns around, there's the wizard behind the green curtain, or the curtain hitting levers and with a little bit of movement and all kinds of lights. Oh, you've um, still got Dorothy and Toto. And, Dorothy, and I'll the, tell you. And the Winkies. I'll tell you about these real quick, and then we'll... we'll do what you guys want to do. Uh, Dorothy is the only r- real, she's a real little girl, be a silicone head with a beautiful wig. And she's got her head on Toto's chest. Toto is a Great Dane with a Spaniard style beard and a, a, a chest piece of armor. 
and Toto's had a mortal wound and is now bleeding out. I don't know why, but that's what it's going to be. And he's got his head cranked to the side, looking to the side as if he's looking at an enemy. And uh, evil tree. There's Clint Eastwood again. Ah. <laughs> I took uh, this giant board. Imagine that with a bunch of apples all over it, with a bunch of little evil faces on the apples. I want to do an evil tree uh, and then, you know, have a, uh, you don't want those apples or some kind of tagline with it. But uh, I think everybody in life should do an evil tree. Uh, if you're hearing this and you'd like to do your own, please feel free to run ahead. Tag it evil tree. Don't let me. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Hashtag it. Don't let evil tree sounds better. That's it. I want to uh, do some other characters, but uh, those are some interesting ones. And uh, I hope to be doing these. I'm never going to quit. I worked with Tom Berman on, I mentioned on Nip Tuck. I'm a shop kid. Uh, doesn't matter what happens with the business. I'm never stopping. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sculpt my tomb and walk inside when I'm done. But uh, I don't believe in any kind of retirement for folks like us, uh, unless you need it. But I believe in staying active and keeping going and, and always sculpting. Like you said, I was doing it before, and I'll be doing it after. Uh, it's something I do. It's what I have to do. Cause it's, you are. That's, it's, it is who I am. And I don't define myself totally by it, but uh, pretty darn close. I'd probably be embarrassed to let you know how much I identify as a, as an artist. I think you wear your heart on your sleeve. I do. I do. And the people I love do, uh, too. When I say love, I mean people like Norman. I mean artists that I respect. Uh, it seems to go kind of hand in hand. I'm not saying you have to be an eccentric. I'm not saying... Uh, I will tell you that in my case, I was an emotional kid. I'm an emotional grown man. <laughs> and it, it has been an asset. It has not been a, a negative thing at all. I just had a student and they said, I I have a condition. I have a, an attention condition. And I meant it. And I told them, I said, it's you're an X-Men. It's a superpower. You can focus your attention like nobody else's. Mm-hmm. He said, well, should I tell everybody that I have this? No. It's yours. And it's a superpower. Use it. Mm-hmm. Use it. And uh, I have some wonderful friends that walk the center line and remain very calm because life is going to throw a lot at you. I'm not saying being an emotional character is always the thing, but it cer- certainly helped me in my art. Do you feel this way for yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's funny, more and more when I'm dealing with students, I have this thing that's come up. Uh, I never used to, uh, and I'm not consciously doing it, but I I get triggered and I get chill bumps if I see a, a, ch- a student do something right or do something intense in sculpture. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love it. Now, this goes back to my emotional nature. It's a little strange because it happens quite often now. I wonder if this is part of getting older. But if I see something I like visually because I'm rooting for the student, I'm always rooting for them. So when they do something, like my arm will cover mm-hmm. in chill bumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a kind of a... Uh, it's odd and beautiful at the same time. Well, I can get that just, just <laughs> explaining to someone yeah. what one of my students has done. I'll get goosebumps yeah. reliving yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I sure have enjoyed my time with you guys. I want to tell you that in preparation of this, I went out. I do a night, nightly walk, uh, which is good for us artists because a lot of my time is spent on my butt working out sculptures. But I listen to uh, a lot of your podcasts, and uh, it's no small thing. And I want to thank you for having me uh, here. And I want to tell you that I listen to, uh, well, I listen to more than a few of them. And it's wonderful because it's all stuff that I want to hear about. And I've learned some stuff about people that I've known for a long time. And isn't that great? Uh, we're very separated out here in L.A. It's all a lot of flatlands, and you better have a car if you come out here. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a thing, and perhaps it's my age, but I I, uh, I enjoy uh, listening to people talking about what they love and what they're doing and what they're going through, positive and negative. And uh, these podcasts uh, are fabulous for that. I found an old Columbo one where you talk about old Columbo episodes. I found one about serial killers and murders that I don't listen to anymore because it bums me out. Have you heard this one called How I Built This? 
It's an NPR podcast. No. Check good. it out. It's really good. It's about people who started things like businesses and products that you would... The guy that started Instagram. Oh, that's cool. And all that kind of stuff. And they're yeah. all positive, uplifting, amazing stories. Oh, that's wonderful. That, that started things and then tell, household names. Tell me again. It's called How I Built This. How I Built This. Mm -hmm. Can I share one with you? I'm, sure. I'm, once again, I'm, not, I'm not plugging yeah. anything no, on purpose, no, no. but but uh, I found a, a great uh, happiness in uh, oh, uh, American Cinematographer. The magazine, but a podcast. Uh, I was able to listen to Douglas T Trumbull talk about cloud tanks and things like that. I was able to listen to the cinematographer's point of view. Wonderful. wonderful. That's a good one. Yeah. There's another one. I'm trying oh, to check that one. I've got a I think you'll like uh, it. There's one. I used to subscribe to that. Oh, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It doesn't seem like they have a lot of new content, but I was able to go through the list and find great stuff. Uh, I haven't been looking at them very long, but. Uh, there's been a few stinkers. It's funny, the murder one, I thought that's great or that's interesting. What I was attracted to was the sound of the guys' voices. The timbre of the voice was pleasing, but the content was gross. And, of course, you don't want to let that into your psyche uh, in the middle of the night when you're yeah, sure. okay. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Listen Art, to that just before bed. Art Bell just died, and i got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I heard about that. Oh, my gosh. I've been listening to Art Bell for 20 years. And um, I have old tapes of his, like Mel's Hole and... All the classic Philadelphia experience. I don't necessarily believe in all that, but I, I love this guy's voice. And so uh, people like me let this voice in their bedroom uh, for comfort. And, mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, so long, Art Bell. Safe journey. He's a wonderful guy, wonderful voice. But uh, it, it's no small thing to have pleasing voices. Well, thank right? you. Well, <laughs> we appreciate you. and. Uh, Thanking you for your time to invite us out to your place. This is great. It was yeah. a treat, treat for yeah. me. Treat for me. And, uh, me as well. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Both a pleasure to, to hang out with you guys. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did. I mean, we had so much fun doing that. Um, and it was just a lot of good information. And, you know, the guy's just straight up and tells you how things are. Um, so I really, you know, dug it. So please, as I keep saying, please do share this stuff. And if you enjoy what we're doing, let us know. You can email us at the show, stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook page, Battles with Bits of Rubber. And keep an eye out for our website, which will be coming soon. We have a dedicated podcast website where hopefully we shall have some merch available very soon for purchase. Uh, and a few bits and bobs for freebies. And keep your eyes open for that. One last thing to mention is Prosthetics Magazine. If you have not read Prosthetics Magazine or you're not a subscriber to Prosthetics Magazine, I would strongly recommend recommend it if you are in the business of making prosthetics. Uh, the last episode which came out is episode number 13, or I should say edition number 13, and it has Christopher Nelson's interview and Vince Van Dyke, and they talk about the making of the iconic Halloween mask, the reboot with... Um, well, I say reboot. It was a, a, a reimagining of, of a new story, but it's 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 set now, so the mask is much much older. So there's a whole lot of stuff that went into making a rubber mask that was new, looked like it was 40 years old. Um, and there's just some fantastic. There's an article in there about 3D printing molds and actually producing prosthetics from molds that have been sculpted and, and completely fabricated um, in 3D printing. Um, and that is an excellent read as well. So have a look at that prosthetics magazine. And like I say, it's prostheticsmagazine.co.uk and uh, there's an article in there of course with uh, Todd and myself uh, about uh, sticking screwdrivers in the show notes so thanks very much again for listening and we will see you with the next one take care mm -hmm.